force the athletes to boycott. I don't want them to. Well, after a nice day, a decent evening tonight with a few clouds remaining, falling back to the upper 60s, low 70s. We'll start at sunny mostly tomorrow. A few clouds build for the afternoon. Got to be a little warmer and more humid. The afternoon could pop up an isolated thunderstorm or shower. It's upper 80s tomorrow. Scattered activity for the afternoons. Wednesday and Thursday, a bit more clouds. Each afternoon's highs into the middle to upper 80s, following morning loads of 60s to low 70s. The Arklatex Monkey Fest Motorcycle Rally. Live music, food, cool prizes, a bike show, sound competition, bike games, cornhole tournament. Vendor space available, RV hookups, $35 a night. June 5th, 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. June 6th, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. At the Hearst Coliseum Shreveport Fairgrounds. Sponsored by three state harley davidson the arklatex monkey fest motorcycle rally family friendly event more information and details email dimming of the music means it's time for me to talk and I'm ready to do that. I want to talk some food with you. This is the food show, the Tom Fitzmorris food show, but I'm not Tom Fitzmorris and you knew that. Tom kind of comes and goes and he may show up for a minute or two today, but otherwise you got me. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris and I would love to continue this iconic food show with you. 33 years running, coming up in like a month or six weeks. It is unbelievably June 1st, which means hurricane season. Here we go again. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something that tells me that after this, just the deluge of rain we have had. I mean, it's been great for the last week or so, but for that, I, I think I was listening to the radio and it, <clears throat> I think they said it was like 22 inches above normal this year, so it portends maybe a rough kind of season. I hope not, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is the kind of weather that we have for a while. It was lovely outside. We went to our usual spot for lunch and uh, spent twice as much as we normally do, a little miscommunication with the server, but it was fine otherwise. It's just pleasant to be outside. I'm embarrassed to say There was not much dining out here at the Fitzmorris house over the weekend. I mean, it was a holiday weekend. It was Memorial weekend. So you would think that we would have been out and about, but we weren't. I am going to rack my brain right now and think if we went anywhere. We didn't go anywhere yesterday for sure to eat, although I did... Oh, boy, I did grill yesterday, and it was um, not good. It was not good. And I know better, but I, you know, it's like I've been kind of paying attention for the last 32 years, but not really, so not just what I've learned by osmosis, but Tom has cooked on the big green egg, countless pulled porks and brisket. And I've got sausage down. (laughs) The sausage I can do pretty well. But uh, the brisket is a delicate 
nuanced thing. And I love it when I get a smoked brisket that has gobs of fat on it. Uh, not because I eat it, but just because I like the way the fat moistens the meat. And so I should have trimmed the brisket, but didn't thinking that all of that fat was gonna melt into the meat. But it didn't, it didn't work out that way. So the rain has sort of destroyed the charcoal in the big green egg because I, I left the top open. You, know, you have this little top that you can adjust to let some smoke out. And there's, you know, completely closed, and then there's not completely open. It can't be completely open, but there's a little bit of smoke that can be let out. So I left the open smoke full blast, and it's been raining for weeks and weeks and weeks. So <clears throat> when I looked at it, the charcoal was dead. And it should have been cleaned out long before that. I should have done it the last time I smoked. But this time it was, there was no real charcoal, it was mostly soot. So I took a uh, milk carton and sliced it horizontally and then used that as a scooper and I just completely scooped out the big green egg. It was down to its original state with nothing in it except 20 years wear. Looks good, looks good for its age, I gotta say. So then I filled it with all new charcoal. So this was fresh, hot, when it got hot, charcoal. And there was a lot of it because I put the little cheater stick in and then poured more charcoal over that. So there was a lot of charcoal, it was kind of right up to the grill, all of which was a stupid thing to do. So I put the, the brisket on with the fat side up thinking, oh man, this is going to cook for a long time. But then on, as I started to watch it, first of all, it got really hot. It was up to 300 degrees, which is 50 degrees more than it should be for smoking. So I left the fat on. I should have trimmed at least half of that fat off and then I would have flipped it, but I didn't want to flip the fat down by the charcoals because I thought it would start a fire. So the brisket close to the charcoal got to be charcoal itself in the five hours that it was on. And then the fat at the top was beautifully done, except nobody eats the fat. But we did have good sausage. Anyway, I got a chance to finish off the baked beans that we did last time and have been in the freezer. And I really like I'm going to start making baked beans. I have gobs and gobs of uh, dried beans in the pantry from when Mary Lee got freaked out about COVID in the very beginning and started buying all kinds of things for us to be hunkered down for years. So I have tons of dried beans. And I thought that I was never going to be able to cook dried beans again because someone told me they get old and that's why they never get soft. But now I know that I can do baked beans just fine. I'm going to bake, do some more baked beans. So we had that, we had some corn, which looked great in the store, and that worked out great. Um, the andouille was a dollar off, I bought some of that, and um, the brisket came out 
late in the evening. And it didn't really matter because we'd already had salad and baked beans and sausage and some of that rosemary sourdough. I got to get Gunter on to talk about rosemary. Rosemary is such a strong statement. I venture to say you either hate it or love it. And uh, I'm curious to see what he would say about the proper uses of rosemary. And frankly, whether he's a fan or not, because you never really ask chefs questions like that. You automatically assume that they love everything, but that may not be true. I mean, no one loves parsley like Jim Richard, but there are herbs that I'm sure that, that uh, chefs tend to shy away from, and I wouldn't be surprised if rosemary was one of them. Five five six nine six nine six rosemary bananas, two things that absolutely take over anything it's around. <clears throat> five five six nine six nine six. So that was our report on eating over the weekend, and I honestly think that might be it. Um, I'm really going to have to rack my brain. I was expecting Greyhound to open over the weekend, but they still haven't which is puzzling since the drinks are there in the cooler and I pass it every day. So they were not open still over the weekend. Oh, I know what I did. Yeah, we haven't been on since then. Um, Friday night, I went to um, the Southern Hotel for a crawfish boil to celebrate their 114th anniversary. Now, the new Southern Hotel has only been open for seven years today. So um, this was, I guess, celebrating their whole time as a hotel because it was, it was vacant for like 35, 40 years. All right, we have Michael 75 on the line. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break first before we go to Michael seventy five because we tend to chat for a while. So I will come back with the crawfish story, Michael seventy five, and a new feature on the show that I'm super excited about. We'll be back after these messages. Shop Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need, and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs. With a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. Celebrating 25 years. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Thank you, Tom. That's a great voice. Let's go to Michael75. Hello, there. Hey. Hey, here's the deal. You can get... You, know, you like it, you get something that's a dollar off. So you can get great charcoal 
at the salvage store with 20 <laughs> Michael, you promised me at some point we can get Mrs. 75 to tell us all of your, <laughs> explain all of your peccadillos. Try to talk to her. It would be so fun. I call that a, schedule I, a, I call that a, 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 I don't know why your phone is cutting out. You have a, you have a phone issue today. What's going on? Yeah, my, are you? Is, is that better? Yeah, much better. Okay. I had to move it a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, today, um, well, but anyway, you were talking about uh, herbs. The only herb I don't, I, I do not, uh, I do not like is sage. I, I can't stand oh, sage. Oh, really? Now, That's now, one. have you have you had the uh, usually pumpkin or um, something like that in a ravioli with sage butter, butternut squash, or pumpkin ravioli in a sage butter? No. Uh, avoid anything really that might good. have sage. Yeah, well, it's I don't really like good. it. That uh -huh. tastes okay. good. So anyway, anyway, yeah, well, uh, yeah. sorry. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Go ahead. What? Right. So in my grand tour today, I discovered some um, diamonds in the rough. First of all, I went to uh, Zapato's, where I got uh, a. First of all, I went to I'm sorry, a Whole Food, and they had the. Uh, uh, Small seedless watermelon for seventy nine, seven ninety nine. But I only bought the yellow mangoes because I thought it was a little too high, and I was correct. Because when I went to Zapata's next, the uh, same watermelons were selling for three ninety nine, and I bought one. And I always look for a watermelon that has the ends of it real yellow, and I bought it, and it it, it is so delicious. I cut into it when I got back, and so that's a, a yellow watermelon. Yellow no, watermelon. The, yellow, the yellow end of the watermelon by oh, one, by the ends. It, it's a green watermelon, right? Okay, and that and that is an indicator of just of sweetness. Extra. Okay. Okay. Okay, because in the past you could they would plug it for you, but now that's yeah. not available. That's yeah. not available. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, then uh, while I was outside of Zapato's, there was a steaming, a truck with things steaming out of it. I uh, went out to inquire, and it was some fresh crawfish being boiled, being steamed uh, from Bell River that they got from Cedar Seafood. And uh, uh -huh. so they brought it, I bought some of that. That was great. Hmm. And then, of course, the watermelon has something that, uh, uh, let's see, a ketchup watermelon and and cooked tomatoes have it's called lycopene it's a tremendous uh antioxidant that protects mm -hmm. you you'll never have a heart attack if you eat a lot of the watermelons yes all right so uh and then uh i went to uh i had a, a roast beef at uh i bought the roast beef at uh, giolando's brought that roast beef and poor boy or a roast beef plate poor boy Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so that's a good restaurant. A I love Giorlando's. Yeah. No, Dorignax? Nicole's going to be no. heartbroken. Well, I had a little issue with Dorignax I, I, I didn't want to bring up. Mm. Okay. I, I don't know. I, 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 won't, I won't embarrass her. Nicole. <laughs> even though She'll you're probably text me right now saying, have him bring it up. Go ahead. What? Even, 
even though you're very candid about your opinions. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, okay. But anyway, yes. uh, then uh, I saw a, um, I actually got this from Whole Food also. I saw a chef Jean-Pierre on um, YouTube. He's got a, a great cooking mm-hmm. show. And he's, he's got mm-hmm. the uh, uh, port, large portobello mushrooms he makes. And he, uh, he, he uh, puts some, uh, let's see, uh, balsamic vinegar and olive oil on them and, and marinates them in, the, in that. Then puts them in the oven, bakes them, and then takes them out, cools them off in the refrigerator. Then, then puts, when they're cool for a couple hours, he puts a cheese product, goat cheese mainly, on it. And there's some Parmigiano cheese on top, bakes it in the oven. He swears it's the greatest thing in the world. That does sound good, actually. That sounds really good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to actually. Be, you know, I don't like big mouthfuls of something. Right. To me, a portobello is a big mouthful of something. Now, if I wanted to do a big mouthful of like a ground meat taco, then it's up to me as to how much I want in my mouth at one time. But it's a portobello to me kind of rings into that same universe with a giant oyster. It's like all connected into one giant mass. So you go into the portobello and you kind of have to saw through it. Does that, <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's one of my peccadillos. It's like if something is a huge mass, then I don't really want to cut into it. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to me, I imagine a beautiful steak. That's what you're cutting into. Yes, that's that's true. That's true. Which may be why I never eat a lot of meat. <laughs> I don't. I don't eat a like. If I'm going to a steakhouse, I'm going to order the sides and take three bites off the edges of Tom's steak, and that's it. I'm good. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe, maybe maybe this happened to you when you were a little girl. Your mom used to cut up all your meat, real small pieces, and that's what you, you, you're holding on to. Listen, my mom had seven kids, and we didn't have meat. We had Vienna sausages. So those are fork <laughs> things, and we were on our own. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what happened. The Vienna sausages <laughs> were small, and so that's what you were like. I and have anyway. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so go to the salvage store and buy yourself some of the. There is uh, no do- way I'm going to do that, Michael. Ten dollars. You buy the ten dollar charcoal for two ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? They used to have really good wine. We there. all entertain ourselves in different ways. Have, <laughs> enjoy yourself at the salvage store. Okay, enjoy yourself at the it. salvage okay. store. Okay. Okay. Oh, have a good gosh. day. All right, you take care. Bye bye. Uh, all right. At this time, before we get into anything else, I am going to introduce a new feature on the show that we have on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tony, do you have that piece? Did BJ give it to you? Yes. Okay. So picture Don the Gourmet Neighbor sitting in a plush, overstuffed leather chair, wearing his silk robe with probably one of those neckties. I don't even know what they call them. Are they called ascots? I don't know. 
And he is pontificating, as Don does love to do. And I love to hear him pontificate, which is why I asked him to do this. And he's he's talking about his dining experiences. As he said last week or the week before, he has a lot of pet peeves. So we are calling this segment Don's Pet Peeve, but really the real name is Don Uncorked. So imagine Don getting ready to pontificate about his latest dining experience, but first we have to pop the cork. So take it away, Don. Is, is is Tony gonna give it to Don? Hmm, such a good setup. Oh, I forgot to mention something really important. Don Uncorked is brought to you by the Plant Gallery, where you will find anything you can imagine in the landscape world, but right now in particular, some incredible pots of all kinds, colors, shapes, sizes, prices. The plant gallery, is, is it there now, Tony? Are we gonna get to hear Don pontificate? Okay, well, Don has a lot of pet peeves and we toyed with the idea of just having him sort of burst through the door with his pet peeve. But I kind of like the idea of him sitting there ready to regale us with various stories of things that annoy him when he eats out in a restaurant. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is they annoy me too, and I'm sure they annoy you too. And uh, they're, they're super fun, I think. So I hope that we can A, get this fired up today, and B, uh, have it fired up Tuesdays and Thursdays because Don Uncorked is a new feature on the show. Anyway, today is, there we go. All right. Don has just uncorked his Children in high-end restaurants. So let me just set this straight right now. I'm not talking about Fat Boy's Pizza. I'm not talking about some wing joint. I'm talking about a high-end restaurant. You know, it's a Saturday night special occasion. My wife and I could be in August, let's say. 8.30 at night, beautiful bottle of wine, and sitting next to me is a screaming child. Why? There are places that are appropriate for children. There are places that are not appropriate for children. And if your child is well-behaved and you know how to control your child and teach them manners, something that is greatly lacking, then kudos to you. But if you're one of those people who feed your child first immediately upon sitting down, have everything cooked especially for them because, quite frankly, the food in this restaurant is not designed for your child, then once Precious has finished eating, you let them run all over the restaurant and disturb everyone else. It drives me crazy. Children in high-end restaurants drive me crazy. All right, Don. Have a, have a sip of champagne. It'll make it all better. That's Don's pet peeve, Don Uncorked, Tuesdays and Thursdays. He'll be ranting about something. You are welcome to join in the conversation if you would like to chat about that or anything else, 556 
It is brought to you, Don's Don Uncorked. Don's pet peeve is brought to you by the Plant Gallery on Airline Highway, where you can't miss it. It's a very large property with all kinds of great landscape opportunities for you. Particularly right now, it is garden season, so go get you some garden pots, really unusual ones of all prices, shapes, sizes, colors. I think that's it. All right. 5569696 is the number. Today in 1998, Emerald Lagasse reopened Delmonico after a $4 million renovation. That was a lot of money back then. It's kind of de rigueur now, but that was a lot of money back then. Delmonico had celebrated its 100th anniversary just the year before. At the time, sisters Angie Brown and Rose Dietrich, who were the owners who had inherited it from their dad, were looking for someone to take it over. Emerald's plans for the building appealed to them. They made the deal. At first, the new Delmonico was very elaborate, old-school restaurant along French service lines with lots of tableside preparations and flaming this and that, even though the style was high creole. They backed away from that when David McKelvey redid the menu and turned it into what Tom thought was one of Emerald's best restaurants. The hurricane put him out of action. The renovation cost exceeded the one in 1998. Delmonico evolved since the hurricane into a steak specialist although it had a widely varied menu. The most recent addition, or the last one, emphasized small plates, and now it's gone. Anybody remember the Rose and Angie Dietrich Delmonico? That was a cute little place. Very nice ladies. It is 2.30, time for the Louisiana Radio Network News. We'll be back for more food talk after that. 556-9696. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorrington. U.S. Senator John Kennedy announces he's officially running for re-election in 2022. Kennedy, a Democrat until 2007, served as a lawyer to Governor Romner and Revenue Secretary under Governor Foster before winning the 1999 race for state treasurer. I promise I will be a voice against the socialism that's now overtaken Washington, D.C. I promise that come hell or high water, your values will be my values. UL Lafayette political science professor Pearson Cross says Kennedy most likely won't face a real challenger from within the Republican Party, giving him the freedom to use his re-election to pad his election bank account for a future move. Senator Kennedy's been very assiduous in making sure that he is uh, quite conservative. He has not irritated any of his constituents by voting, say, for President Trump's impeachment. Governor John Bell Edwards has stated he plans to finish out his term and return to the private sector and not run for Senate. LRN. This is for those who always show they care. Who told their kids everyone 12 and older is eligible for a COVID vaccine. Those who explained to their cousins that vaccines prevent nearly 100% of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. This is for the ones protecting those they love. Thank you. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Flip a coin and play heads or tails from the lottery. Win up to $6,000. Stop at any lottery retailer and pick up heads or tails today for your chance to win up to $6,000. Stacks of cash from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Win up to 15 times. 
visit your favorite lottery retailer and ask for stacks of cash today for your chance to win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. WGSO 990 AM has recently become recognized as an official 501c3 nonprofit organization capable of accepting tax-deductible donations. So, in commemoration of our 75th anniversary, the station is launching a 75 for 75 campaign with the goal of raising $75,000 in 2021. The funds that are raised will be dedicated to help the station fulfill our broadcast mission and satisfy any equipment needs that arise. These donations are especially important because unlike most radio stations in New Orleans, WGSO is independent, locally owned and operated and not part of a national broadcasting conglomerate. To donate, go to WGSO.com and click on the Donate button on the front page. Help us to continue to be the community voice of the Crescent City. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. Ah, uh, yes, so very, very true. I'm reflecting on Tom's beautiful voice today. Let's go to Steve. Hey, you. Steve. How you doing? I'm all right. How about you? I'm doing good. A uh, couple things. First off, we went to New Valari Sunday night. Is that the first and, time? Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Not, not by a long shot. Uh, mm -hmm. Wonderful place. Good Lord. It is. It is. Uh, I had, and this is, I've had it like three times there, and I keep going, well, I'm going to have to get something else, but their pork chop, their pork chop is just spectacular. Their everything is spectacular. Yeah. Paul yeah, Murphy. Yeah, I've never had anything glad, bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jack Mellon is coming back on the show today, so we're going to do a spot for Jack Mellon in the next hour. But uh, it's the same group, and it's it's first class all the way. It's just um, terrific. I also had their tomato basil soup, and I thought of Tom when oh, I had that. So good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we had my wife and I split the Caprese salad, mm -hmm. which was outstanding. She had the oysters fontina. Oh, that's Which, good. Yeah, it was. Well, duh, like you said. It's extremely yeah. generous. It's extreme. Well, were the oysters big? Uh, no, they were yeah. uh, fried maybe an inch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, an inch across. The, the last right. portion that we got of that was just about a week ago when we were there. Tom mm -hmm. always gets that, and it was very generous, and I think that the number of oysters changes with the, the size. size of the oysters. Sure. I'm sure so you get like a there weight. were probably eight to ten here, but they were little. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure you get a weight of oysters, you know, like X ounces yeah. of oysters. Um, and then my wife had the charcoal grilled drum. My brother-in-law was with us, and he had the pan-roasted redfish. And he had the corn and crab, corn and crawfish soup, which was the soup of the day. And everything was just spectacular. The price is reasonable. The prices are incredible. 
As long as you don't start drinking. (laughs) Well, I mean, I never judge a restaurant by drinks. To me, if I'm going to tell you the prices are reasonable, the prices are high, it's strictly on food. I don't even have any idea what's going on in the alcohol. Absolutely. I I get very upset with, you know, I'm not a big drinker by any stretch of the imagination. But if I go for like, I I drink bourbon. If I drink a bourbon on the rocks at a place like that, and it's like 12 bucks. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know. But I didn't. I didn't drink. Is that a lot or a little? I don't know. That's a lot. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. when I can get a bottle of the same thing for twenty five. Yeah. And they charge me twelve dollars for an ounce and a half. You know, come on. But is Um, that is that their price? Because I'm sure it's probably not. Because everything else in there is really really on the the low side. I think they're pretty expensive at the bar. Is that it? Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe and, that's and where they're say, making their money cuz they don't It could be absolutely. But I yeah. mean they're making money on the on the food and stuff, but I mean it's it's that is very worth it to go to New Valaris to eat. Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's really good. Really good. Uh, stuff. the other thing I was going to tell you is my wife works at uh, a geriatric psych hospital right off of 434 right off of I12 and uh a, one of the girls that works with her her a relative of hers is putting in a barbecue place right across the street from him, and the guy brought uh, uh, ribs and chicken dinners and gave you know one to each of the people at the hospital and one to bring home. And my wife brought home the ribs, and Mary Ann, they were maybe the best ribs I've had. In a well, I'm going to have to go check that out because, you know, not, you and I have yet. a, we're, we're not sure how we're, it's like, I don't know, I don't, we don't know if we should trust each other's opinion, but well, yeah. is this, but is this the place by, is, it is was the place very, by 22? What's that? Is this by 22? No, no. It's I mean, by 190, I mean, by 190, it's, 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 22 becomes 190 on the on the east. No, end, no, no. So. This is over okay. 434. Where yeah, I know, but, but 430. I don't know where that is, but 434, close that, to 190, like a couple of blocks off 190. There's like a medical thing going on there. Is it high? It's north of there, north of there. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. But they're not open yet. Okay. Is it north of 12? Yes. Okay. Uh, but what I liked about it was. They, he had no barbecue sauce, and it was incredibly smoky ribs. Good. I'm excited. What's the name of it going to be? I don't know. I will okay. let you know as soon as they open, but I told okay. my wife, I said, when he does get open, I'll get you know get him in touch with you. You could talk to him a little bit and go try it. But the, she brought home a little uh, a wing of chicken and a ribs, and they were both, like I said, with no barbecue sauce added, incredibly smoky and that's what i'm finding so many of these places if you don't put barbecue sauce on them they're not real tasty you know a, a number well of that depends plates. i think on the north shore we don't really have very good barbecue i, agree. I think um i think that that sticks is okay barbecue if you really need a barbecue fix i think it's okay after that, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sticks. I don't we, know. We've um, gone to sticks a few times, and it's like if you don't slather it in sauce, it's you know roasted well, I, meat. I don't know. I don't use sauce generally. I don't speaking, either. I don't, and like I don't to. I don't find it to be 
tasteless without sauce. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. Well, um, this was I, very good. I thought the potato salad was good. The barbecue beans were good. Um, I'm so, excited. This is good yeah. news. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it really, okay. it really is, and that's what I'm saying. I don't know how much it's going to be. I can't imagine it's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I said told my wife. I said as soon as he gets open, we will put Marianne yeah. in touch with him. Yeah, you betcha. Um, do you remember uh, a beta barbecue? Do you remember uh-huh. a beta barbecue? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. Yeah, I did too. I thought their ribs were really great, and yes. you know, it's been a long time. And I've had a lot of ribs since then, and I'd be curious if it, you know, if if I would remember it as fondly as I, you know, did back yeah. then. Well, but I've, I like, thought they were really good. Hmm? I've just had gotten to a point where I don't even bother with ribs at most places because I don't, you know, if I got a slather on barbecue sauce, it's, you know, what's the point, you know? Yeah, I thought those were really good. I thought yeah, those I were exceptionally thought- good. They now you know that place is going to be Lago now, huh? What what is? That that old Avita barbecue place. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. know it's taking its time to get open, but I thought that was an interesting move. I never did make it to Chompers because why would you go to a place named Chompers? I never but, heard of it. So <laughs> well, it's, it's Chompers is what succeeded Avita barbecue, and I would assume it was exactly the same. Except called Chompers, which again, why would you do that? Not a good name, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, they didn't stay around too long, and now it's it's it was vacant for a long time, and I see a sign for Lagos now. So and what is that going to um, be? I mean, do you know anything? Is it well, Lagos is in in Mandeville by your beloved uh, drive-through crawfish. Uh, Lagos is right in that. Oh, I haven't, haven't tried woods. it. What is it? like? Yeah, it's Mexican. It's Mexican. Oh, okay, okay. All right. No, I haven't tried that. Have you gotten we, any crawfish lately? Not in the past week. Okay. All right. Were they, were they small or large last time you got them? Uh, very consistent. Nice. The shells okay. weren't hard to peel. We got them at, at okay. drive-thru. The mm-hmm. shells weren't hard to peel and... You know, I, I do like the taste of them there, mm-hmm. and I don't even know how much they were, but because you know we're not, it's gotten to a price, a point in the season where we're not worried about the price anymore. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I, it was a week ago Saturday that okay. we got we got well, it's it. Well, Tuesday, it was, I may run good. down there and try to get some. I'm sure they'll be out by the time the show is over. But I am I am about to tee off on uh, the Southern Hotel for the crawfish boil that I went to it wasn't on Friday good. night. Um, <clears throat> this is one of those philosophical things <clears throat> which I find fascinating. But I, I view it as goodwill. What okay. is the price of goodwill? So if you, I I remember this particular incident at Foodies once, and it had to do with a tomato slice, and I don't remember it. I just remember a feeling of, uh, you know, ill will from Mm -hmm. the incident having to do with generosity on the part of Foodies, Mm -hmm. or maybe stupidity uh, on the part of the person behind the counter, but... If you're going to err, having to do with 
The price you spend to generate goodwill, you should err on the side of goodwill. Absolutely. Because the customer should not leave ticked off. Especially so not for I price. I spent $35 a ticket and gave one to my neighbor. So $85, we went to the Southern Hotel. Now, there are no bi- there's no bigger fan of the Southern Hotel than me, all right? So I will yeah, forgive I know you like a tremendous like amount a yeah. having to do with the Southern Hotel. Yeah. But these crawfish were so tiny that they were the size of your last portion of your thumb. Okay. What? And and smaller and smaller. The whole and, crawfish counting the tail and head? And they're not counting the tail and the head. Okay. Counting just the edible part. The okay. edible okay. part That's very was small. that size. Yeah. Okay. They they were so small they weren't worth peeling. Yeah. And I feel like if you're doing an all you can eat crawfish boil, there's a thought that goes through your head that says, "We got to slow down people who are here to eat a lot of crawfish, so we'll get small ones." Which in fact, they certainly did because after a pound or two, you don't even feel like peeling them anymore. Well, thirty. But I left really annoyed because I spent over ten dollars a pound. Yeah, I yeah. ate maybe three pounds of crawfish and spent over ten dollars a pound. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Thirty-five dollars, all you can boil. eat. Thirty-five dollars, all you can eat. If you go in there and pig out, they're going to make okay. You know, I mean, if you ate. Seven well, what happened? Of Here's what it, happened. First of all, they were very spicy, which I think was also designed to slow people down. And to make people drink. And they had a, and they had a Zydeco ban, so they had to pay for the band. There were potatoes and corn and sausage in this, and mushrooms, which I mm-hmm. don't ever need or eat. But the, the, the sheer chore of peeling crawfish is enough of a chore that you don't have to make them so small that they actually break apart when you're trying to peel them. Yeah. I left furious at that. And <laughs> I would have asked, I would have asked to take some home because I knew that at that rate they were going to wind up with tons of crawfish left over. Right. And that's exactly what happened. They were giving them away to everyone, but I spent $10 a pound on crawfish, and I'm really annoyed by that. Well, consider going to Mandeville Seafood. You could have gotten like eight pounds of crawfish. You know, eight to ten pounds of crawfish. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And been, you know, you and And, and and they would have been bigger. They would have been better. You know, I I was just incensed by it. I really was. So anyway, uh, people who are in business, don't annoy your customers like that because whatever you saved on the crawfish is bad. You have left a really, really bad taste in my mouth and everyone else's because people were talking about how small they were. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. One more thing I wanted to say, Don, I agree. (laughs) 
That is going to be such a fun piece. I'm really I'm excited about it. Obviously, we have a lot of technical difficulties to work out, but it's super fun. It's I, I laugh it out too. loud at all of them. I, I'm going to yeah. leave you a message with Tony. I'm going to come back and leave a message for you. Okay. Okay. So um, just okay. get it when you get finished. All right. Sounds good. Later. Thank Bye. you. All right. Take care. Five five six nine six nine six. I want to mention that uh, we have at 3 o'clock Shallon DeLon calling in to explain the tremendous inconsistency in the size of oysters. I've been really intrigued by why oysters can be the size of a football one day and a thumbnail the next. And uh, he is going to call us and explain what what is responsible for the vagaries in price i'm not price in in uh, size of oysters right now five five six nine six nine six we'll be back right down the highway from the excellent keith young steakhouse is five girls and the food is very good casual fare here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in yes. Madisonville, 985-845-2348. Autumn in New York, why does oh. it seem so inviting? Yes, indeed. 5569696 is the number if you want to call and talk about all kinds of things on the buffet for today. I am really curious if anyone has any fond, and I'm sure there are lots of people with fond memories of the old Delmonico. I didn't go very much, but I did go a little with Tom back in the early 90s. So we wouldn't even have been married for 10 years at that point. So the kids were little. And uh, I didn't really go out to dinner very much with Tom at that time. So I maybe went to Delmonico three times, four times. I think we took the kids a couple of times too because the, the ladies who owned it were super cute and they loved Tom and they wanted to get to know the kids a little bit. So we took the kids um, there to talk to see Miss Rose and Miss Angie. And it was a much different restaurant than the one that Emerald made it. It would have been, I think, what I would have called an old fartery uh, for many years until I realized that I either changed or I don't know what, but I've grown to appreciate Tom's old farteries a lot more than I used to. <clears throat> but it was a classic Creole New Orleans restaurant, very well run by these two ladies who had inherited it from their dad. And it was, in fact, 100 years old when they sold it. And I love when people who are protecting the legacy of a family-run institution wait for the perfect steward of that institution. Now, I don't know if the ladies, I don't know if Emerald's finished product was what they had in mind. It was completely different. 
But um, in a case like Pascal's Manali, I was talking to Elizabeth, who is in the next generation, the younger generation of the four siblings that ran Pascal's Manali. And I was telling her how much we liked it and how much I felt that Carmen, who was not a member of the family and who runs it now, the new owner of Pascal's Manali, has pretty much kept it exactly as it was with some improvements. So it continues on in the same vein that the family had it, which is a wonderful thing. Now, he worked there for 12 years before he bought. No, well, he worked there for 12 years and then went off for a while and then came back. I guess he had always wanted the restaurant and the four siblings who sold it finally felt that that was the right buyer. And so it's nice when things continue and a restaurant institution is shepherded into the future by the proper shepherd, let's say. I am very curious to see what will transpire in the case of uh, another old fartery, which I grew to love at the end, the Bonton. Both of those restaurants, the Bonton and Pascal's Manali, are what I call um, getting out by the skin of your chinny chin chin. Pascal's Manali was sold right before COVID and the Bonton closed the very last day. They closed literally as the lockdown started. So um, in the case of the Bonton, it is purchased by a corporation a chain of restaurants called the Chop House, and it will be uh, ushered into the future by um, Jerry Greenbaum. And uh, he was a Tulane grad out of Atlanta, and he promised that he would, they, let's put it this way, the owners of the Bonton liked what Jerry said to them, and so they sold it. And both of those, in both of those cases, they had been looking for the right offer. And then ultimately, it comes. I hope that happens with our house. <laughs> We're really counting on that. 5569696 is the number if you want to talk to me. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris, eager to talk to you about food, as Tom has done for 33 years. And uh, I would like to... Um, be the steward of the food show. It's not the same one, but it is, it's the same one with a different tone. So uh, hopefully we will grow it and um, it will be accepted in a, a slightly different direction, but we still talk about food. It's not quite the gourmet thing that it was, but we still talk about food because in this town, food is topic A, as Tom has always said. Uh, Shallon DeLon will be up at 3 o'clock to talk about oysters. I'm seeing a lot of difference in the size of oysters 
and I would say that, well, I am, I've been very clear that I am a small oyster person. My sister, <laughs> my sister kind of has a thing about big oysters. And I think it's kind of the same thing that I have about a mass of something. You know, it's like there's no, in an oyster, there's no clear separation point. It's a mass. So if I have to use a fork on an oyster, I, I, don't, I don't like that. And so when these oysters came out, Tom is a big oyster kind of guy. So he likes, he likes when they're really, really big. And I started seeing these really large oysters maybe oh, two months ago. And now they seem to have gotten back to smaller, although I've seen large and small on the same plate which is something I don't understand. If you're a restaurant, why not make it uniform? I mean, as much as you can, obviously. I just remembered where we went on Saturday. <laughs> it's, another, it's another one of those things I'm going to tee off on. So um, it was not a particularly good eating weekend. Let's put it this way. My burned brisket... Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say my burned brisket might have been the most appealing thing I ate over the weekend, but that's not true at all because I did really like the sausage and the um, frozen baked beans and the corn and all of that. So, um, but, but it was not in a restaurant a particularly good eating weekend. Oh, that's another thing. I was really annoyed by the price of this other dining experience also. I was... Um, I was not a happy diner, and I don't want to steal any of Don's thunder, but, but these, are, uh, these are not uh, regular pet peeves of mine, but boy, I could really be peeved about the weekend and the kind, of, the kind of dining that occurred for me over the weekend. Words to eat by today from Marilyn Monroe. She was born today in 1926. <laughs> I have to agree with her on this. Isn't there any other part of the matzo you can eat? Matzo balls have a real um, texture issue for me. I like the idea of the chicken soup, not so much the soft wad of matzo. The words to drink by today are from Lord Chesterton, and I do think um, I don't I do think that they're also as good as Marilyn Monroe's words to eat by. No animal ever invented anything so bad as drunkenness or so good as drink. That's true. But we, we are the animals that did, in, that did invent that. Also, Tom has snowballs in his almanac today and nectar. Nectar is like the only thing I ever ate on a snowball. I, I'm not a snowball fan. They're, it's way too sweet a thing for me. So nectar, for some reason, maybe it was the cream in it, but nectar sort of made me feel like it was not quite as um, wincing sweet as they tend to be. I also do like cherry. I did like cherry. But anyway, if you're a Snowball fan, what's your favorite flavor? 
I uh, don't have a lot of snowballs. I went through an ice cream snowball phase where you have the ice cream syrup taste. Maybe a couple of different flavors, but but generally speaking, definitely not a snowball fan. They have some cool new flavors at, um, oh gosh, Hanson's, like jalapeno with a seed on it. Five five six nine six nine six. Top of the hour news time from the Louisiana Radio Network. We'll be back at three o'clock. WGSO New Orleans. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Moderna is seeking full approval from the FDA for its COVID-19 vaccine. It's currently being used since it got emergency authorization. To be fully authorized, the FDA requires six months of data. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is standing by his opposition to an independent counsel to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. This is the probably the most comprehensive Justice Department investigation in the history of the country going on right now. Multiple people have been arrested. Uh, many will be uh, prosecuted. The Kentucky Republican talking with reporters in his home state. President Biden in Oklahoma to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. The Atlantic hurricane season officially underway as it's June 1st. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. As things continue to open up, welcome news for the cruise industry. Carnival Cruise Lines was given the okay by the CDC to begin sailing from three U.S. ports, the Port of Galveston in Texas, as well as Port of Miami and Port Carnival in Florida, for its return to guest operations this summer. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. Two people are dead and over two dozen others hurt after multiple mass shootings around Miami over the long weekend. Miami-Dade Police Director Freddie Ramirez says they have received multiple tips. Those are three killers, and we need to get them off the streets, and we're going to get them off the streets. And anyone that's associated with them, that's involved in, in this activity, is going to get, go to jail as well. Ramirez promises there's zero tolerance, and anyone caught committing a crime with a gun will go to jail. A $130,000 reward is being offered for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the suspects in that shooting. This is USA Radio News. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, and I want to tell you that arthritis is not a genetic thing. It's not a disease of aging. Neither is osteoporosis. Get a hold of my book. It's all in your head. It goes into the 25 different diseases you get when you have osteoporosis of the skull. These are all reversible. You take the Healthy Bone and Joint Pack, the MSM, vitamin D3, stay away from all the bad foods, including gluten, and guess what? You'll regrow all your bones, including your skull and your legs and your hips and everything else. Contact us at usaradiohealth.com. 
That's usaradiohealth.com. The incentives to get the COVID-19 vaccines are continuing across the United States. West Virginians who get the COVID-19 vaccine will be entered into a drawing to win prizes, including custom firearms and $1 million. Republican Governor Jim Justice making that announcement on Tuesday. June 20th, Father's Day, will mark the first of a series of weekly drawings running through August 4th. Fox News medical contributor Dr. Mark Siegel says these initiatives by states are working. And well, after a nice day, a decent evening tonight with a few clouds remaining, falling back to the upper 60s, low 70s. We'll start at sunny mostly tomorrow. A few clouds build for the afternoon. Going to be a little warmer and more humid. The afternoon could pop up an isolated thunderstorm or shower. It's upper 80s tomorrow. Scattered activity for the afternoons. Wednesday and Thursday, a bit more clouds. Each afternoon's highs into the middle to upper 80s. Following morning lows of 60s to low 70s. The Arklatek's Monkey Fest Motorcycle Rally. Live music, food, cool prizes, a bike show, sound competition, bike games, cornhole tournament. Vendor space available, RV hookups, $35 a night. June 5th, 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. June 6th, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. At the Hearst Coliseum Shreveport Fairgrounds. Sponsored by three state harley davids the arklatex monkey fest motorcycle rally family friendly event more information and details email monkeyfestla at gmail.com ralph sanji wgs This is the Tom Fitzmorris Food Show with Marianne Fitzmorris in the chair. And we have a Shallon DeLon with us who is with Tommy's Seafood, a processor of seafood. Not only oysters, you process a lot of things, right? Shallon? Hello? Did we lose something here? Hmm? Mm. Okay. Okay. We're just working out, you know, little things on the show. We, um, we, we lost Henry about a week ago. And, uh, and so we're just sort of in a transition, let's say. Our apologies for that. Five five six nine six nine six. If you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you. We have Shallon on the line. I'd love to talk to him. I hope that uh, we can get that worked out because I've been dying to know why the oysters are so big. In the meantime, I'm going to talk about really bad oysters because I feel like I'm ready to elevate Felix's to a spot right next to Old Rail. It is a it's not a lofty designation. It is, uh, in all of the time I've been dining, and I only started dining about 35 years ago. Up until that time, I ate at home. But Tom introduced another wide world of dining. Actually, my job, 
radio introduced it. And then Tom really introduced it to me. I mean, I'd started dining, you know, with clients and things before that. And just sporadically, though. But Tom, as we know, has been eating out. Um, Tony, tell me when Shalom is on, okay? Uh, Tom has been eating out. Is he there? Okay, okay. Uh, has been eating out most meals for 50 years. So um, I've done a lot of dining with Tom prior to kids and then less so after kids, but I've done a lot of dining. And in all of those meals, there have been only a handful of restaurants, not even a handful, three, maybe four, where I just can't think of a reason to go to the restaurant. And we were talking, I was talking to Steve about Old Rail, which is a place on the North Shore. And uh, I, I just, I have to finally say, Felix is, is right there with that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we went to kind of mid-afternoon lunch on Saturday at Felix's, and I was hoping that Neil Swidler will be, would be there. Um, he is the corporate chef who divides his time between the many, well, not many, but several locations of Felix's go figure. And uh, I thought maybe that there would be an opportunity to get some decent food, but he was not there, and so there wasn't, which is fine, because I didn't need to eat anything, but Tom needed his oyster fix. So we went to Felix's. We spent $50 to eat a dozen oysters and two iced teas, and that's with the tax and tip included. But wow. And they were not good. They were not good. And it was very depressing. I really hate when that happens. And uh, it's because of the way we had to order them. Because Tom loves Oysters Bienville, apparently even really bad Oysters Bienville, because that's what this is. And um, I don't know what the Rockefeller, I don't remember that being any great shakes. So we got half a dozen of the char-grilled and half a dozen, that was a mistake too. It was half a dozen Oysters Rockefeller and half a dozen Bienville that I ordered. But what we got was half a dozen char-grilled and half a dozen Bienville. And I absolutely refused to buy a third half dozen of the Rockefeller just so Tom could have Rockefeller and Bienville because you could order, you could order Rockefeller and Bienville together, but they had to be ordered at the half dozen price. And you could order the Oyster Trio as a dozen at $25, but 
they were only limited to the Buffalo Oyster uh, Rockefeller and Bienville. I should have done that. I still should have done that. All right, let's go to Shallon. Hello, Shallon. I'm sorry for all the difficulty getting you on. Hey, Marianne. Yeah, sorry about that. I think that was some phone issues on my end. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you calling, and I hope that you can answer this burning question that I've had, which is that oysters are inexplicably enormous right now, but then I've noticed that they're back to small as well. So they're very inconsistent more than anything else. What is causing this? Well, you know, I think they're just talking to one another. And, um, <laughs> you know, at first the, the big guys said that you know, they'd be a willing sacrifice for for the uh, the oyster consumer. And, you know, then, then the little guys gave a crack at it. Um, but no, really, I, I would honestly just say that it really depends on the areas that the oysters are coming out of. As oh. you know, an oyster, an oyster is basically a rock. I mean, once it's planted, it's not swimming anywhere, Marianne. So you know that's that's for sure. <laughs> I didn't so know that. So they they yeah. start they they stay stationary their whole life until they're harvested. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. wherever, okay. You know, whenever they go through their stages, they go from larval to juvenile, and in between that, they find their permanent home. And uh, as they're swimming in the water column when they're babies, they, they have a little leg, and that leg actually attaches to a substrate, um, you know, a calcium substrate. It could be another oyster shell, or it could be limestone or crushed concrete. Um, I've mm. seen them attached to something much crazier than that before. But anyway, they, they attach, uh, find a, a place that they're going to attach to permanently, and that's where they live the rest of their lives until they end up on the table or at Acme or, or Drago's or somewhere like that. So Where, what ends up happening? How, how long a time is that, Shallon? Like, what's the average lifespan of an oyster? Mm -hmm. Yep, so, you know, not to get too, like, scientific uh, about it, but it a lot of it really depends on the environment that it grows. Just going back to that type of reef that I was telling you, um, you know, whether they're growing, which the cults, you know, whether they're growing on oyster shell or on limestone or, you know, if they're growing on pilings or, or whatever the case may be. But generally, if they're in good quality water, because sometimes the only way that an oyster moves in the water is if the oyster fisherman is going out there to move it himself. So sometimes, like there's certain times of the year where we have uh, what's called an, a driller snail and a driller snail is uh, one of the main predatory species of oysters. And so they secrete like an acidic type of, um, of serum. And it actually, they, they can drill a hole through the shell of an oyster and they slurp the oyster out. They mm. turn it into liquid and they slurp the oyster out. So the only thing left is just the shell. But sometimes you have these snails that move in and they'll wipe out communities of oyster reefs. And so when the wow. fisherman sees that the snail, that the snails are moving in, He'll go and relocate them to less saline water or if the oyster has too many mussels around them because, you know, for, for you and I, we love mussels, right? I know my mom, especially, that's her favorite dish. But yeah, for an oyster, a mussel is considered a parasite. The reason being is that if mussels are growing around the oysters, the mussels are actually uh, eating and feeding all of the nutrients that are in the water. And so they're basically starving the oyster from its ability to feed and grow. Mm. 
So oysters are not good. Uh, mussels are not good for oysters. So when a fisherman sees that, that there's a lot of mussels growing, then he'll pick up his oysters uh, by dredge and he'll go and relocate them to a different area for a time until the mussels fall off. And so generally, though, in a really healthy environment, we could see an oyster reach market size, market size being like three, three and a half inch, which you might say is small. It's the perfect size for eating on the half shell raw. Um, but he'll generally reach that size in about 18 months or so, 18 to, to 20 really? months. Huh. Yes, okay. ma'am. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't so, think three and a half inches is small. I think it's massive. I, I think that's gross. Oh, there, there you go. That, there you go. Yeah. I'm a little so, oyster eater. Oysters, we, mm-hmm. I, I like them. I like them larger for charbroiled because, yeah. of course, they shrivel up when you cook them. Um, and then also, I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes when you see just consistently small oysters, what ends up happening is just going back to the area that the oysters are coming from, um, the oysters in Texas grow um, and they're usually harvested. Oh, don't tell me we lost them again. Right? Uh, three inch size or so. And so when the Texas season opens up, you just see this large influx of Texas oysters. And the Texas oysters are generally a little cheaper, uh, less inexpensive than the Louisiana oysters. So, and when um, is that? Course, When's Texas season? Yeah, Texas season normally opens up in November, and uh, that'll run probably through April. Okay, so yeah. so there's an oyster season just like there is a shrimp season. Yeah. So the interesting thing about oysters is that. Yes, it's a public resource, but um, it's also privately, um, I guess, capitalized and managed. Maintained. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, managed, and and so there are public reefs that the state manages and that they open up for certain times of the year, um, like Texas, mm. as I just described. But then there's also private reefs that fishermen put own money into, and of course. They have free will to harvest those oysters at any time of the year, so long as they're the size that the fisherman um, is oh. looking at harvesting. So, yeah, he, he normally, when it's your own reef, you have the flexibility of harvesting that oyster. Um, the, the state also, Department of Health and Hospitals, they also manage the oysters. You would think that it's just wildlife and fisheries, but oysters are some of the most heavily regulated seafood species oh, yeah. that we have. And yeah. so what the Department of Health does is they are constantly out in the water monitoring for E. coli and fecal matter and all kind of other fun stuff. And so when they notice that the water quality isn't the best, they'll, they'll um, deem that area or those waters a pollution zone. And so if your oysters just so happen to be in that pollution zone, that pollution zone can be um, your your oysters can go untouched for years <gasps> while they're mandated in a pollution zone. And oh so goodness. then that pollution zone might move. You know, the water it, it water is very fluid, and so mm-hmm. it moves different ways. And so of course, um, maybe a year later, six months later, two years later, who knows? That pollution line might get relocated because the water quality is better there now. And wow. so that oyster being untouched for years, it's had that opportunity to 
just continue to grow and grow. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's, wow. that's pretty much what an oyster is going to do. If it's not mm. harvested, it's just going to keep getting large uh, to the point of what you were describing as enormous. <laughs> and, and usually the reason why you don't see those enormous oysters when you eat them raw is usually that's what just in the industry we call a shucking oyster. So that's generally an oyster that only goes to the shucking house. And uh, somebody like P&J Oyster House, the, uh, you know, the, the country's oldest oyster shucking house, and um, right there in the French Quarter on Rampart. And yeah. so mm-hmm. you know, they, would, they would take those shucking oysters, and then, mm-hmm. of course, they would sell that to all of the restaurants that they cater to. And so usually you only see a large oyster in the shell being processed and then cooked whatever way that restaurant is cooking it. You don't normally see them eaten raw, Um, especially if if it's so big where you got to take a knife and a fork to it and and cut it up like steak. Yeah, yeah, that, that's when I can't, that, that, that's beyond the pale for me. Uh, can you hang on for a little bit, Shellen? Because we have to take a break. And But I'd like to talk oh, to yeah. you some more. Do you have a few more minutes? Okay. Absolutely All right, we're on sure. with Shellen DeLon from Tommy Seafood, and we're talking about oysters. Why are they so big and inconsistent in size right now? We'll be back. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites, and we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? Yes, indeed. We are on with Shallon Delon from Tommy Seafood, and I want to mention before we go on that uh, Basil's Ace Hardware is not only your grilling headquarters as we head into summer, but your boiling headquarters as we get toward the end of the season. So go see Fred and Joy Rittler over there in Metairie at Basil's Ace Hardware and get all of your boiling supplies and your grilling supplies because we like to do both of those things. We also want to tell you that Mandeville Seafood sponsors Fish School, which is coming up in the next half hour. All right, we're back with Shallon Delon from Tommy Seafood, and we're talking about seafood, but primarily oysters, because I am going to ask him a crawfish question in a minute. All right, so oysters, 
they change. I've seen big ones. I've seen little ones. I've seen just both sometimes on the same plate. But I've never seen them this particular size, lar large size, on a, on a char-grilled plate. They're plump. They're fat. They're round. I've, I've, they're unusually large. Have you noticed that? They're well, larger um, than large, usually. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that some places that I've been to that have cultivated these relationships with fishermen, um, they request the large oysters and the jumbo oysters. And um, I, I know just one restaurant in particular off the top of my head that that's what they like to serve because of what I had mentioned earlier with the oyster mm -hmm. shriveling up. But, yeah, what happens is sometimes – that fisherman might be running into some supply issues in the reefs that he's previously been working. Um, and, and they know they do such a great job at managing their reefs. They know when to call it quits. They might be able to take more oysters off of that reef than they have, but they know mm -hmm. when enough is enough. They want to keep the reef healthy. And so they'll mm -hmm. move into different areas and into different reefs. Um, and, and, and there are different ways that oysters are harvested. Dredge is the most common way that an oyster is harvested. The other way that oysters are harvested are by tong or also by hand. Uh, by hand, that's called cooning for oysters. And so those large oysters that you're talking about, those are usually oysters that you'll, you'll see along the banks, um, in the marsh, maybe on low tide, that have just never been disturbed. They've never been touched. But now they're ripe for the picking, and somebody's got an opportunity to get them. And, and I completely agree that with them being so large, it might not be good for raw. But, hey, so long as the person's doing a good job at char-grilling them, then uh, I think that they're great for char-grilled. What do you think? I think that I, I think that there is definitely such a thing as too large an oyster. And if it's really large, then I would only eat it fried. <laughs> but I, I've just noticed that they are spectacularly large, plump. And I guess this is great. I find that guys normally like fatter oysters. I think women, and, I, and this is a gross generalization, but I think women usually like smaller oysters, and guys are always the ones that like larger oysters. Is your is your mom a big or a little oyster person? No, she she definitely loves like the cocktail sized oysters, and I would have to say that I, I do too. I mean, I love the ones where you can just slurp them back and move on to the next one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I ate an oyster not long ago that was exactly as you had said, just way too large for the palate. And um, I, I shouldn't say this, but I had to spit gross. it back out because it just oh, oh. stayed too long in my mouth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a little. It does get to be a little gross. You know, I had no idea that that oyster beds were managed like you're saying that they are. I mean, I I just didn't have any idea what the oyster business was like, and I, I actually have very good friends who are Croatians, but I, I just had no idea that they were managed as well as they are and as diligently as they are. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a real hands-on business, it sounds like. Yeah, well, for now, anyway, they are. You know, we've, uh, of course, we've faced so many things through the years with uh, the BP oil spill, Hurricane right. Katrina. Yeah. And it's great that, you know, we're having a good time talking about oysters and we can talk about how big they are, how small they are, 
Um, but the truth of the matter is that there might be a time where we're not able to talk about that um, because of these diversions, all of this fresh water that's been mm-hmm. coming into the the areas for the past few years now. Look at what the Bonacary spillway opening oh did gosh. to us a couple of years back. It just completely wiped out generations and generations of oysters and the people that harvest them. And so now yeah. the state's talking about putting in these diversions, these freshwater diversions. I don't, there's nothing fresh about it. It's polluted water, you know, oh. and they want to put that into our marsh. They want to mm. kill porpoises, dolphins, and, oh my gosh. Uh, and of course, all of the seafood that New Orleans is, is world-renowned for. Wow. Well, if you want, if, if you want to explain that a little bit more, I can hold you over to uh, on the other side of the half hour. Do you have? Are, are you available to do that? Um, so that would be around what time in the next? No, in other minutes. words, I'm, we're going to keep you another minute and a half, and then we have like two minutes of a break. So I would keep you like till thirty-five or thirty-seven, sure. something like that. Right. Okay, because I, I also have a crawfish question. Um, to the pandemic, which has been blamed for everything that's a muck, and believe me, there's a lot of muck to blame, but um, has how has the pandemic affected any of the oyster harvesting? Is that something that, that created a problem? Yeah, it absolutely did. So, you know, the way that oysters work, they're a crop species, right? So just as I described to you, um, fishermen they literally will build a reef with culch material and the way that they create oysters on that reef or breed oysters on that reef is by taking from nursing grounds or breeding grounds so they'll you know fishermen will have reefs that they only take oysters from with the intent to reproduce them so it's it's kind of like the mother reef that is only touched or plucked from in order to build new reefs and so the the process these fishermen will take these oysters off of those bedding grounds and they'll transplant those oysters onto a newly developed reef and then those oysters will spawn and they'll reproduce and they'll attach to that culture material and then they'll they'll hatch um in 18 okay months, I, have to, I have to 30. stop you i have to stop you oh, we have ahead. a hard break yeah. right now hold Let's that thought it. We'll be back with Shallon DeLon from Tommy Seafood to talk more about oysters. It's 3.30. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. The bill that would increase hunting and fishing license fees for commercial and residential users continues to make progress at the state capitol. The measure has received House approval, and more adjustments were made today in the Senate Natural Resources Committee. The bill's author, Prairieville Representative Tony Bacula, says he's working with a lot of different parties so no one gets hurt too badly by the fee increases. We have really, really, really tried to work with the industry, uh, and and we have done everything we can to find the reasonable middle ground. The state state legislature also seems poised to pass a bill that would allow citizens 21 and older to carry a concealed handgun without a permit. The House passed bill cleared the Senate Judiciary B Committee today, despite objections from Shreveport Senator Greg Tarver. People on me walking down the street with guns with a suit on. Nobody know if they have a gun or anything. A police come up automatically on property. Once he reached for his billfold, he don't get killed. Louisiana Radio Network. Hi, can I help you? Hi, yes, I'm looking for a lottery game that is fast and uh, easy to play. Well, I think we have just a thing for you. It's called... Whoa, that was unexpected. 
What were you saying? I was saying there's a new game coming soon called... And it's coming June 28th. Whoa! What in the world? <sighs> I, I missed that name. What was it again? He said it's called... And it's coming June 28th. It's going to be an int. Games where you can win up to... Dollars! Yeah, it is simple. Starting June 28th, just pick your... Game, ask for your ticket, see if you won. It's just that fast. Uh, what is? Play... A new instant way to win from the lottery. Striking June 28th at a retailer near you. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary, and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Thank you, Tom. We are back with Shallon Delon from Tommy Seafood, and we're talking about oysters. Why are they so inconsistent and e extremely large at this moment? If you get a large one, they're really, really large. And I lo I've watched Tom eat many an oyster over the last 32 years, and I find them to be really, really unusually large. So that's why I asked Shallon on, and we're just talking, we're talking about uh, processing oysters right now. So the pandemic, how, how does all of this work with the pandemic? You were talking about how they manage the beds and build beds for the oysters yes. to latch on to. Is this like a, a I can't imagine that the Croatians have experienced that same sort of labor shortage, have they? Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, as I was explaining about oysters and them being a crop species, they have to be planted, they have to be nurtured, they have to be grown to maturity. Um, the farm-raised catfish is the same way. And so when you're undergoing a pandemic and you're about to um, pave the way for making a new crop, you're kind of having second thoughts on, well, I know that I was going to spend this amount of money on, mm -hmm. on planting this new crop to harvest mm -hmm. next season, but how long is this pandemic going to last? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of conditions are, are is the state going to be in? Is the country going to be in? And so I think that mm -hmm. you saw a lot of hesitation with, um, with fishermen, with oyster fishermen, that maybe had a lot of uncertainty on what the economy mm -hmm. was going to do or how long the pandemic was going to last that, that perhaps did not replant a new crop uh, for that next season. You know, shrimp works a little okay. differently. Crab works a little differently. That's mother nature all the way that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that right, yeah. provides for that shrimp's environment to grow in. But an oyster mm -hmm. has to actually, yes, oysters do reproduce. It's naturally. cultivated. They do grow naturally, but, 
like I told you, it's a it's a privatized industry for the most part. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the these incredible rains that we've been having. You were talking about the the plans of the government to uh, well. Just, I'm going to paraphrase it here, mess things up. So uh, the 20 inches of rain or 22 inches of rain, that's unusually more than it normally is. I mean, it's been unbelievable rain, and I, I was surprised to hear that it's actually been 20 to 22 inches above normal. How is that going to affect oysters down the line? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, oysters Sorry, I, are a marine species, so... When you mix marine species that need salt water to thrive with uh, too much fresh water, then it's definitely not a good combination. That's a formula for for decimation, um, honestly. Oh, really? So, oh, that, absolutely. So you think we could yeah, have another right. nature-made uh, BP situation or something like that where it's a natural disaster but a disaster nevertheless? Yeah, do you know what killed all of the oysters during the BP oil spill? It wasn't the the BP oil spill. It was our reaction to the oil spill. In order to keep the oil from coming to the shores, if you recall, we had to open up the floodgates, if you will. Mm -hmm. We had to open up the diversions and push fresh water from the Mississippi River into the marsh, and that pushed the Mm -hmm. uh, contaminated oil, uh, oil oil-contaminated water, away from the coast and so all of that fresh water like i told you the oysters they can't swim they can't go anywhere so you know mm-hmm. they're there to stay they just drown so unfortunately yeah. the oysters yeah they they all just were completely uh-huh. wiped out because of the fresh uh-huh. water it was like a a necessary evil um for the greater good well i sure hope that the nature disaster of the extra 20 inches um somehow mitigated by other natural forces before it can wreck too much or, you know, wreak too much havoc. All right. Yes, so and, and one if the last water question. was a little bit better, it'd be okay. But this mm-hmm. water coming out of the Mississippi River is just so polluted, it's unbearable. Can you imagine that the whole country and, and Canadian provinces pour into the Mississippi River and we're the recipient of all of that runoff and right. discharge? Yeah. Yes. I think about that every time I go to Bay St. Louis and wish the water was bluer. That's the only problem with Bay St. Louis, (laughs) the brown water. Okay, so one last question about crawfish. How close are we to the end of crawfish season, and how can we gauge uh, that by size? Yeah, so the the basin or the the wild crawfish, uh, as well as the farmed crawfish, are both still running strong for the most part. Of course, the farms start a lot sooner than the wild crawfish, and um, it, there's really no signs of it letting up. Usually, oh, really? the peelers, the, the peeling plants would be winding down uh, right about now, and and I've talked to several just as recently as yesterday that said that they might have uh, another three or four weeks of this. So, oh. Um, Okay. Yeah, usually, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is that for us, usually crawfish season is over with when the crawfish get hard because, it you know, we like right. to crush the head and suck the juice, right? Well, in, in uh-huh. other parts of the country, we ship crawfish as far north as Canada, live crawfish. And, and the northerners actually love hard crawfish. 
because oh, really? they don't eat them the same way that we do. So huh. usually, usually the season lasts a little longer than we like it to down here in the South. People just stop selling it once it gets hard because mm-hmm. for us, hard crawfish means it's the end of the season. But usually you'll see them go for several weeks after that. I'm, I've, I've had crawfish go as late as the end of August before. Um, really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I had some hard crawfish Friday night, and they're very unpleasant. I don't, mm. I don't like them at all. I mean, I mean, is there, are you seeing that now at all? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly some, some ponds are experiencing some farms, which the farms are the first to go. Some farms um, are experiencing some of that harder crawfish. And some farms are shutting down because, as you know, the rice farms um, are they serve as crawfish farms, right? And mm-hmm. so it's you know once you've harvested crawfish, you're making uh, room for the rice. And so the way that they they plant crawfish for the next season is actually by pulling wild crawfish out and putting them in their their pond. And mm-hmm. so those wild crawfish will then reproduce oh, yeah. and grow and be the crawfish that we eat for next season. Huh, okay. All right, Shallon, a wealth of information. I knew you would be. I appreciate you coming on and, and telling us about these uh, these oysters, which I've been so curious about. So thank you very much, and we'll have you on You're again whenever I have a burning question like this. Anytime, appreciate and it. I am in the market for a new boiling pot, actually, so thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> Well, Basil's has, I'll just go ahead and and review it. Basil's has washers, they have pots, they have the rocket pot, they have something that supposedly cools the water down faster. I don't even understand that technology, but this is a good place to go if you are looking for either crawfish boiling or grilling. They have it all. Go see them. I love that. Thank you so much. Asking us to find out the take care. Bye bye. All right, we're gonna take a break. We will be back after these messages. One of my favorite roast beef poor boys isn't a poor boy place at all. DiMartino's is a wonderful restaurant with traditional Italian food and excellent fish and chicken dishes, as well as the muffalettas for which they are known. With three locations on the West Bank that are more casual, the Covington restaurant feels upscale with good food and great prices. It's a winner. DiMartino's Covington, Marrero, Algiers, and Terrytown. DiMartino's.com. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. Night and day, you are the one. I want to mention that Jack Mel Inn is back with us, and uh, you should go there. We were just talking about um, Nuvolaris, which is also owned by Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy is an excellent restaurateur. He's had Jack Mel Inn for 43 years. This is a beautiful place. It is centrally located in Hammond. It is where you're going to have not only a delicious meal, 
but a sensual meal. And and I, I talk about that on a whole bunch of levels. It's a, a, a cottage. It is cozy. There are six different fireplaces. So there's fireside dining all over the restaurant. It's beautiful. They have some lush gardens outside. It's perfect for a wedding. They have steak night tonight. It's Tuesday night steak night at Jack Mellon. They have an incredible special on Fridays. It's lunch for $15. It's a two course lunch for $15. This is not just ordinary food. This is that 10% really great delicious food. Paul has a great wine list, fantastic prices. He's quite the enophile. It is a wonderful destination restaurant. Yes, it is in Hammond, but it is worth the trip. It's the Jack Mel Inn. They will open at five today for steak night. It's 903 East Morris Avenue in Hammond. It's where two sides of the highway, it's like, it's like in the neutral ground between two sides of the highway. It's hard to explain, but you can't miss it. Very lush gardens, you'll see it. 985-542-0043. It is Jack Mel Inn, and we welcome them back. 556-9696, if you want to talk to me. I've got just 15 minutes to do that. I would love to talk to you. We have been talking about various things so far in the show. I'm still looking for someone who would like to talk about Delmonico, because Delmonico is a great little restaurant for a hundred years and then emerald took it over and changed it completely but it was a great little creole i wouldn't call it a bistro it was just like a it's kind of like it's an old-fashioned restaurant with good food like your mom would have cooked but you went to a restaurant for it that was what del that's how i would describe delmonico but today in 1998, Emerald opened it after an extensive renovation. $4 million at that time, so they definitely put some money into that place. That's Delmonico. If you have any thoughts about Miss Rose or Miss Angie Dietrich, two lovely ladies who ran it after their father passed away and, and until they sold it to Emerald. We loved Miss Rose and Miss Angie. And uh, we love Delmonico. It was a great little place to go. So if you have any thoughts about Delmonico, we would love to hear them. Snowballs. What's your favorite snowball flavor? Snowballs are getting fancy like everything else. Um, the Hansons invented the snow wizard machine and have been sort of the king around town. But they have now... Um, that their granddaughter is running it. She has upped the game and made it a hipper kind of place. And uh, the most unusual flavor I've had of a snowball ever was at Hansen's and it was like a jalapeno ginger. And it came with a little jalapeno seed on top. <laughs> it was a little strange, but, but interesting, I have to say. Today's Apple Dictionary word is brought to you by Dorignax celebrating 75 years themselves this year. Dorignax is a thing locally, as you know. If you want something, you can ask Nicole and she'll get it for you. Happy anniversary to Dorignax. 75 years this year. The Edible Dictionary word today is nectar. 
In most of the English-speaking world, a nectar is a blend of fruit puree and water to make something like a juice. The most common nectars are made from fruits that can't really be juiced, such as apricots, pears, and recently, agave. In New Orleans, the word nectar means a flavor made by blending almond and vanilla, a little citric acid, and pink food coloring. It's one of the most popular flavors for ice cream sodas and snowballs, and uniquely local. It was created at the soda fountains of the old K&B, Katz and Bestoff drugstores, and made for them by the IL Lions Company. Originally, the pink color was cochineal, made from an aphid-like insect that sucked cactus plants in Mexico. Where else would you know this than the almanac? Tom has spent 50 years amassing this kind of information. Later, the cochineal was replaced by an artificial color, but the flavor remains immediately recognizable. I had no idea that that's how they got nectar. The old kitchen sage says today, Hurricane Katrina was terrible, but the red beans and gumbo in many homes taste much better now that a lot of nasty old pots were washed away. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, hurricane season starts today. I forgot all about that. It's hard to believe how fast time is going by. It really, really is. Today in 1875, one A.P. Ashbourne patented a method of preparing raw coconut for use and storage in a home, which is more difficult than it sounds. I don't know why that would be, but I'm grateful. Um, I don't eat a lot of coconut, except sometimes a coconut cream pie is hard to beat. I used to like to get the little miniature coconut cream, not miniature, but single size coconut cream pies at um, Zoe's Bakery up in Covington. You know, we talk about fresh baked pies and how hard they are to find, and they are if you're looking for a whole size pie. But for a long time, before Mary Lee became the baker that she is, I would go to Zoe's Bakery and get their baked goods all the time because they were absolutely scrumptious, and they still are. But they had a different, they had several different small pies that were individual servings. And one of the ones that I found irresistible was a coconut cream pie, because I do really think it's hard to beat a coconut cream pie if it's a good one. And this one had a lot of fresh coconut in it, and it was just really great. And I'm wanting one just as I speak. I haven't had a coconut pie in a really long time, but uh, I may have to go and get one now that I'm talking about it. There's also a really good coconut dessert. I think it's like a coconut cake that Dakota has that Kenny LaCour, the owner of Dakota, along with Kim Kringley, um, Kenny's mother was sort of famous for her coconut cake. And he's been serving the coconut cake in Dakota 
for as long as they've been open. And uh, it's really good. It's not as good as a coconut pie, but it is really good. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you. We are talking just, or I am talking about various things as we wind through the almanac for the uh, last few minutes of the show. Uh, the International Convention on the Use of Designations of Origin and Names for Cheeses was signed in Paris today in 1951. Where else but Paris? It took a while to take force, but its result was that Roquefort cheese has to come from Roquefort, France, as do all the other place-named cheeses. <laughs> Sometimes Tom has little asides in the almanac that are pretty funny, and I have to say that the one that I'm about to read is one of those instances. He says, and I quote, I guess American cheese must come from America, but who cares? I would totally agree with that. I had American cheese. Oh, I know where it was. I know where it was. I was about to say I had melted American cheese on something last week, and I thought, are you kidding me? It was, it was at my, uh, it was at Anchor when I asked for cheese on the hot dog because I was being really bad. The hot dog at Anchor is delicious, although I have to say inconsistent. And I'm gonna give them a pass because he was telling me how hard it is to get help in the kitchen. And they're doing like 600 people a day. So I'm gonna give them a pass because I like Chifuncta and Anchor a lot. But the hot dog was brilliant the first time I had it and less so with each subsequent time. And um, it comes with white chopped onion and that's it. And so I asked for uh, mustard and cheese the last time I was there and I, I got it I didn't expect it to be melted. I thought it was like a cheese sauce when I first saw it. But it was just melted American cheese. And I just, I, 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 I don't know, maybe it's my third grade trauma of having American cheese every day for third grade, but I really don't like American cheese. And I know that it's become incredibly fashionable on the hip burgers to melt one, usually two slices of American cheese because it's usually two thin patties stacked on top of each other in the hip burger world. But I still, I can put up with a melted American cheese, but um, it's not a favorite. So when I asked for the hot dog, with cheese, I was expecting something like shredded cheddar or maybe something even more gourmet than that since it's anchor. So I was very surprised to see melted American cheese. So I would agree with Tom, who does care? Um, definitely not me if it's American cheese. Tom has a little thing in his archival writings about breakfast. 
You know what I made Tom this morning for breakfast? Tom gets the most gourmet breakfasts now, and they're really just a way for me to use leftovers. So I had my sadly overcooked brisket from yesterday, which stupidly I trimmed all the fat off after the fact. I should have trimmed it before. It would have come out good. But I have now a lot of kind of dried brisket. Not inedible dried brisket. I got rid of all that. But the what was left on the brisket that was still edible or soft enough to eat. And it was not a lot, but it was some. And I had these sweet potatoes that were sort of undercooked that were in the refrigerator. And so I took some onions and peppers and I took a little bit of a jalapeno too. It was kind of spicy. And I, I learned something this morning. Um, <laughs> don't put a jalapeno on hot heat directly or you're going to choke a lot. So that's what I did, choked a lot. And so I had to put some water in there to get it right off of the heat source. And it took a little while to stop choking. So I had the onions, the peppers, the jalapeno in butter. And then I put the sweet potato shredded. It still had a little cooking to do. And then I sort of simmered that in water to soften the sweet potato and to cook it. And then I put the dried brisket in there and the water softened that too. So then it became this um, brisket sweet potato hash. And it was actually really good. And I, um, I used two things that were leftovers. I've become a huge fan of giving Tom breakfast crafted out of leftovers, which I mentioned because Tom really likes the restaurant taste. And even though there was no restaurant in that potato hash, it was kind of something gourmet. And so I did the potato hash and I, uh, I put two sunny eggs on top of that. And Tom gets gourmet breakfasts without me having to go take him someplace to get a gourmet breakfast. Happy anniversary to WGSO. This is their 75th year. They have a 75 for 75 campaign going on. We'd love for you to go to the website. Beautiful new redesign of the website, WGSO.com. There's a yellow button there that says donate. If you click it, your donation will be tax deductible because in addition to being 75 years celebration as the community voice of the Crescent City of being the only news talk locally owned station, they have a 501c3 charity designation. So go to WGSO.com and donate please to the 75 for 75 campaign. Happy anniversary to WGSO. We have our own platforms here with the food show, nomenu.com. It's N-O-M-E-N-U.com. Please go and see Tom's 50 years of archival talking about food and particularly New Orleans food. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of fun stuff too, like the Almanac, which is what I use as a blueprint for the show every day. Most important, maybe, I don't know, maybe not most important because there's a lot of good stuff that Tom has written over the years. We have the podcasts of the food show. If you've missed something 
on the food show you can go to nomenu.com the food show comes up first click on the one that you're looking for and catch what you missed please tell a friend about the show we like it we think it's fun we think it's a great escape from all the other dark stuff out there your friend probably will too so please tell them to go to wgso.com if they want to listen online or just on the radio station 990 and join us uh, every weekday from two to four please sign up for our newsletter on nomenu.com you'll get the information that i just talked about delivered twice a week we have 400 some odd recipes on nomenu.com a dining diary all kinds of good stuff nomenu.com we also have our instagram page at the new orleans menu we would love for you to go there and follow us because we have a lot of pretty pictures and we have fun doing it tim mcnally is up next with the dine wine and spirits show and that is it for us for another day hurricane season starts today wgso new orleans four o'clock